Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. And once again, joining us from Sweden is consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Great to see you, Michael. Pleasure to be here again. Looking great, Michael. Thank you, Alan. Well, the headline article in the December edition of The Dispatcher, just out, is Germany's automotive industry in transition. And it starts out, of course, with a bit of history. Give us the overview, Michael. Well, the, uh, the purpose of the article is, is really to take a look at the, the, the German car industry, which for the last maybe 30 years, 35 years, has come to the fore. It's Mercedes, BMW, Volkswagen, Audi, um, Porsche, the cars have been the cars that the people want to buy if they can afford them. Uh, and if they can't afford them, they would like to have at least have nice pictures of them so they can think about, you know, one day I'll own one of those things. So they can, they can lease them. But these cars are the kind of cars that people who have a little bit of extra money want to, to drive. And uh, during the last maybe 20 years, there have been more and more people who've had a little extra money, so they've, they've done very well. But I think we have to go back to where the, not just the German car industry, but the European car industry was pre-1950s or, or pre-World War II. The car industry in general, between the time it started, early 1900s, late 1800s, was principally in the United States, secondarily in, in Great Britain. Um, the General Motors was selling 10 times as many cars on its own than were being sold in, um, in Germany pre-World War II. Ford was the biggest selling car in the world up until, up until that point, including in, in Europe. So the, the car industry grew in the United States for, for whatever reasons, we can, we can discuss those. But immediately after World War II, Volkswagen, which had, had only been started at the end of the 1930s, uh, Daimler, Daimler-Benz, um, BMW, which had been commissioned by the, the German government during, the, uh, during World War II, just as General Motors and Ford and Chrysler had by the US government to produce war materials. As part of the agreements after the war, many of these, the factories for these companies were disassembled. Uh, material um, tools, machinery were sent to various places as, as uh, war reparations. So it took some time before the German car industry could get itself back, back to be able to produce cars. And what I've tried to, to explain here is that they didn't do it on their own. They had an, a lot of help and that a lot of the help came from sources outside of Germany, 
you know, we, we all know about the Marshall Plan. We know about, you know, how things were, were put back together in, in, the, in the countries that, um, let's say, didn't win the world, World War II. And countries like Germany and Japan have done very well as a result of that. But what Germany did following the war and beginning in the 19, 1950s, late 1940s, was they, they decided that they were going to do something different. They were going to work together to, to build back in a way that was both democratic and also uh, looking, looking at all of the, the pieces and all of the people at the same time. So they created this, so what I've, I've explained in the, in the article, the German model, which is a, is a way for government, for industry and for unions to cooperate in a way, not, not to collude, but to cooperate in a way that helps everyone. Uh, so, so incomes rise, companies are, are able to, to sell, build and sell their products. The people who are coming through the school systems are able to be trained in order to work in the company, in the, the various companies. And the result is, as we have seen, not just with the car industry, but with all of the industries in, in, uh, in Germany. And the point of the article is the CDU, Christian Democratic Union, has been leading German the, the governments in Germany from Adenauer in the beginning of the 50s up until Merkel the last 16 years. Um, but now there's a new government and part of this government is the Green Party. It's, uh, it's called the traffic-like government because it's, it's uh, red, yellow and green, the colors of the, of the different parties. And especially the Greens have a very different approach to industry, not just the car industry, but industry in general. And they're going to push their agenda. And that agenda is not one that's very favorable to, to the car industry. It's not favorable to the use of, of anything other than what's called sustainable or reusable or energy such as uh, wind and, and uh, sun. They're very anti-nuclear, but Germany has already decided that they're going to close down their nuclear plants anyway. Um, and they've already decided that they're going to move the, the, uh, the date for when coal is going to be uh, burned for electricity generation from, from uh, 2038 to 2030. So there are going to be some, some major changes in the, in, in the way that the government is going to work. And those changes, in my view, are going to affect the German model. And the, if the German model is affected, it's going to affect the way the companies operate. And we can see that already in the way Volkswagen has been, been, uh, been functioning and the DIES, their, their, uh, their CEO has been, how they're approaching the, the unions. It's very different from the way things were working for the last 50 years. It's, it's much more antagonistic. It's much more confrontational. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. So um, the purpose of the article really was just, is just to provide this information to the readers and help them to you know, focus on, on, as they see information coming in, to be able to process that information to make better decisions about what they're going to be doing vis-a-vis -vis the, the German car industry and in 
specifically with the European car industry in general. So the transition you're, you're talking about is, is more than just a transition to, to EVs. Well, it's, uh, I wouldn't say that there is, there's much more to it than that. I mean, the, the, German, the German car industry has been leading in every area of advanced driver assistance systems. Uh, we don't hear very much about them when we, we discuss um, automated driving or driverless cars, but they're doing a tremendous amount of, of work in that, but they're doing it in the context of, of ADAS. They're not doing it like yeah. the Auroras and the, and, you know, the, the, the folks who were saying, well, we're going to go, we're going to be the big jump. We're going to go right to driverless. They're doing it in the bottom-up approach, saying, you know, we're going to get there. We're going to get there by developing systems that work to assist the driver. So similar to what Cadillac is doing in, in the United States. But BMW in particular, Daimler, um, Audi, those three companies are really focusing on the building it at, you know, top-notch advanced driver assistance systems that will eventually be able to aid more than just, you know, allowing people to, to, um, to sit there with their hands on the wheel and, and, and do things a bit more uh, automated. Uh, Michael, so, I, I put yeah. it, and I, I have put it in, in, a, in a different context, at least I think almost from the beginning, I, I've, I've, said, I've indicated that there are two markets here for automation in, in vehicles. There's the one market to assist the driver and basically maintain the automobile OEM uh, uh, business model essentially the same and really focus on, you know, what a lot of people uh, had said was an objective of, of automation, which is safety and improvement of driver and a driver experience. And that allows for the the automotive, the 100 plus year old automotive model in which they sell me something and then I want to buy it. Why? Because of the accoutrements that are associated with it. And they're not, not just giving me another accoutrement. I've called it the, the, the fins and, 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 and chrome of the, of the current industry. And I think the, the, uh, the German model has taken that and said, oh my goodness, yes, this is even improves this. This, this, this improves the model. And they've done a, a fantastic, they're, they're doing a fantastic job on that, as opposed to the driverless piece, which focuses on mobility. Okay, and in fact, does the focus on mobility in some sense uh, completely orthogonal to the to the business model of the automobile? It says that no, I'm not <laughs> going to sell one to me, in which I then take that responsibility, and it's all on me. I'm just going to use it and forget about it. I'm I'm just going to be I'm going to be a transient in the process, and you're going to do it all for me. That's a completely different business model and so on. And in some sense, maybe there is an evolution from one to the other, uh, but uh, maybe not. Uh, they really are different. And I think it, it requires different approaches and maybe the German model or whatever it evolves to that, but I think it's completely different. And um, I don't really see an evolutionary path. Yes, some of the technology from one can be used in the other and so on and so forth, da, 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 da. But, 
but to me, it takes a completely different, almost a completely different mindset. Alan, I think we've had discussions on this uh, yeah. before. And as you know, I don't agree with what you just said. Yeah. You know, we're going to we're going to have cars. Eventually, we're going to have cars that will drive themselves. There are two ways of getting there. It's the Aurora approach, which is we're going to go to driverless and we're going to get there by doing everything that we think we need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. There's the other approach that says we have cars and those cars eventually will be driverless and we're eventually we're going to get to driverless by making the car better and better and better at doing things that it's that it needs to do. I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not going to I'm not going to say, you know, one is better than the other. I believe because I've worked in the car industry and I've worked with the car companies and I've developed these systems, I believe that the incremental approach as opposed to the utopian approach is the one that's going to win. But I mean, if I had to, if someone said, where do I put my money? Well, they're putting it in Tesla and, and you know, guess what? Tesla is using the, the incremental approach they're, and they're getting there by yes, by, by getting its, its folks beta testing. It's the companies that, I mean, the people who are buying their cars, they're the beta testers for, for they're not going to the, the moonshot, you know, they're getting there incrementally, but they're doing it in a way that I don't agree with, which is putting their cars on the road and letting people test them. But Daimler and, and BMW and Audi and the other companies are put in Volvo are putting an awful lot of effort into building systems that eventually will be driverless, whether it's five years from now or 20 years from now, it's not two years from now, but it, it eventually those cars will allow people to drive. And then we then we look at the business model. I mean, I don't think that the business model is related to how we build driverless cars. That, that I mean, either the driverless car drives itself or it doesn't. How we get there is 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 what's to be discussed. But whether or not Aurora. Is, is the company that I would put my money in it to get driver's cars or a BMW. I mean, that's something investors are gonna to have to, to, to decide for themselves. I know where I would put my money, but. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's really where we differ. I, 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 we differ, I, yeah. I, we differ in, 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 the, in, in what, what the motivation, what the business model is. And I guess I am a, more of a proponent that, that in, fact, in fact, the business model drives things in the end. And I think that, that, uh, that if, I, if, I, if I look at whether or not it's, it's an evolution or a revolution, although mm -hmm. I don't really like the word revolution, I think everything is an evolution. I just think that the evolutionary path that 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 starts with the OEMs gets so let me put it in fat and happy doing so well with ADAS that it that there is absolutely nothing in it for them to go all the way. Okay? Because they are, because they, they end up uh, uh, serving me so well. I'm so happy with it. I'm buying it. Uh, you know, I'm putting myself in this thing. I mean, you, mm -hmm. the market mm -hmm. is doing that. Yep. And, and, and my goodness, uh, there is no need to go the extra way for me to just be able to send my car to you so that then you can use it. Because the crossing of that chasm requires the OEM to all of a sudden assume the responsibility. 
Okay, I think because but so who, but who, who assumes the responsibility? Does Aurora assume the responsibility for their for a car that's built? I mean, if we, let's let's hey, just well, take Aurora. I, I, Aurora, I mean, we put well, all of their stuff into what what they're putting their stuff into today are cars that are built by other people. Right now, we put all their stuff into into a car. Right, and it's built by someone else. It can either be built by Magna, it could be built it's by a, it's a Foxconn, it's, or it's Mm, no, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, yeah, go yeah, ahead. In the case of a case of driverless, it, we, we, it's different. I mean, the case of driverless, we've got everything that's going to go in there to make it driverless. Yeah. And Aurora is going to provide that. Are they right. the ones who are going to take responsibility for 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 the car when it doesn't do what it's supposed to do and somebody yes. dies? Yes, they have to. Who is me? Well, I don't think. Well, if, okay. So now, now I'm going to let's ta- let me take another an example. Elevator. If I ride in an elevator today, yeah, who's assuming the responsibility that that uh, the door doesn't, you know, um, uh, uh, guillotine me? Now, now we can get to it. We can discuss this for for a, a long time. <laughs> look at the name. <laughs> look at the name on the elevator. Yeah. Is it is it Rivian? In the elevator, or is it yeah. Case? Huh? No, it's not Rivian. It's it's not Rivian. The, the the name on the elevator is a is a company that's been making elevators. There are a couple of them, three or four. Yeah, it maybe. turns out it turns out the more, there are like five of them. There there's yeah no exactly. And it ain't and it ain't going to be an Aurora that's going to yeah. that you're going to get into that elevator and say I'm going to put my life in your hands. Take me up to the hundred tenth floor and take right. me back again. Right. You're going to buy that from a company that's able the deep pockets who are going to be able to pay you if something happens. And that's not Aurora. It, it, it may not be Aurora, but it's going to be the entity that assumes that responsibility for which Aurora is going to be in the chain of responsibility if the thing doesn't work. I think Aurora is going to you know they're already owned by somebody else, so they're just going to be they're they're going to to essentially. I don't know. I don't want to say fold up their tent and do something else, but but it's it's the company that's going to be able to do this. Yeah, the company that's going to do this is the companies like BMW, Daimler, Volkswagen. It's not going to be the companies. It, this is my opinion. I mean, I'm just giving yeah, it no. to you. <laughs> what about the perception, Michael? Let me ask you yeah. this. Uh, yeah. The perception that uh, a lot of people have, probably the general public has, that uh, it's the startups. It's it's these Johnny-come-latelys that, that throw all the legacy stuff out the window that are the ones that are doing the real innovation here and that it's much harder for the traditional automakers to change their whole way of thinking to to really advance the technology. I, is there I any simply, validity to that? I simply don't believe that. I just there's no there is no evidence that that's the case. The fact is that we have people either. I don't believe that yeah, either. Fred. The fact is that we've had people who have, have come up with great ideas and they sell those ideas into to, to companies like General Motors and Ford and so on, or they work inside the company and then they invent stuff. I mean, if you're working inside of Volvo, I, I have a little my name on a little patent that was that was made. I mean, you go into these industries because you have all of the resources to be able to do that. What's happened? I, I'm part of this. Is is you know this this whole thing? MIT, Stanford, Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon. I think to a certain, maybe to a certain degree, Princeton. 
people have gotten this idea that all you need to do is put a business plan together, put it in front of a, of a, of a um, venture capitalist, say all the right stuff, and you've got money to, to, you know, to build all of this stuff. But one of the first things you do is you, you, know, you buy a house in San Francisco that, that cost a couple of million or, or tens of millions of dollars, and you hope that somebody buys your company and, and you know, that you can you flip that and do something else. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a concept. The people who said, we're going to do this and we're going to do it big, either were, they were working for Google, which eventually became Waymo, or they were bought by Google, or they've been bought by companies like like General Motors. Um, this is not this isn't something you just kind of come out of come out it comes out of your head and suddenly you're doing this. It's 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 one thing to build an electric car, which Rivian has done, and I think they're doing a right. nice you job. Highlight, you nice, highlight Rivian in the, in yeah. the latest. Yeah, I mean they've they've done a nice job with the design of it. They seem to be you know solid. They're they're going about it in a in an incremental way. It's taken them a long time. Looks like they're going to be able to produce cars. Are they worth seventy eight hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars a share? You know, is is Tesla worth? Fifteen, fourteen hundred dollars a share. Don't ask me. I'm I'm not going to put fifteen hundred dollars to to one share of of Tesla. You know, you can look at what happened with Tesla. If you put money in at fourteen, it went down to a thousand. But still, if you put money in at fifty, where it was a couple of years ago, or maybe even less than a couple of years ago, and it's and it's at it's at a thousand, you made lots of money. I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody in particular who made lots of money doing that. But you know, people have made people have made lots of money doing that. Um, but we have companies that have invested a tremendous amount of money. They have the capabilities. Rivian is making a couple of cars, SUVs, pickups. The F-150, the Silverado, these cars are cars that people buy. Those will be electrified. Is Rivian going to outsell the F-150? Ford is not doing. Ford is not working with Rivian. Ford has decided it's going to do this on their own. They're not going to be taking the the platform that Rivian has developed, even though they've invested in them. They've gotten lots of money as a result of that investment, but they're not going to be taking the technology that that Rivian has done and and using it. But hey, Rivian is going to de deliver a hundred thousand vans, electric vans, to to Amazon. That's a lot of cars. I mean. That's you know that's a, that's more cars than than Aston Martin makes during, during a course of a year. Um, I'd even be more than I'm not sure how many how many uh, Porsche makes, but uh, I mean, that's a lot of cars. So they'll do okay. Will their stock be worth in the, in a couple of years' time? One hundred and fifty dollars, maybe if General Motors is worth two hundred or two hundred and fifty or three hundred. But you know that's it's a it's yeah, a hard right. question to answer. Michael, I, we, we agree. I think we really do agree on all that. It's just, I just don't see, getting back to the driverless, I don't see that driverless, the concept, the provision of mobility with, 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 with me, with the OEM, accepting responsibility of delivering that safely in case anything happens, it comes back to me as opposed to the selling what it's been selling me something for which as soon as I 
grab it. It is my responsibility. Yeah, sure, if the wheel falls off and there's been a mechanical that has to be recalled and so on and so forth, but but the, the, the degree of responsibility that the OEM then takes upon once it's, it sells me this thing and I, I buy it is minimal compared to the amount of responsibility that I, I assume when I then drive this thing very carefully and not try to kill you when you're, you're on a road ahead of me. Sure. Okay. All of a sudden, if and that's because I've been entwined in this thing, me, but once I send this thing out by itself with the thing that somebody else put in there to then make sure it doesn't hit you or kill you. My goodness, the, the, the product liability piece of this thing all of a sudden goes through the roof to the entity of that, that created, that put that in this thing that goes out to you by itself through its autonomy. Nothing's autonomous, but forget about that. Yep. And, and I just don't see that, that all of a sudden takes to go that next step to do that delivers enough value for any business model to now assume the enormous amount of incremental liability that's associated with moving to that, going across the twilight zone to that area, that 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 evolution all of a sudden stops. Why? Because that's the profit maximization that the de-societal, the, you know, the, all the all the people sitting around the boardroom, uh, investor, uh, you know, um, responsibility and all that says, my goodness, we're not going there. That's like crazy stuff. We're not going through that twilight zone. Okay, so, so there, there, there are two alternatives. One alternative is nobody can do it because the, the, the liability is so high. If General Motors or, or Daimler, Daimler, Volkswagen, and, and uh, BMW are three of the largest in terms yeah. of, of revenue companies in Europe, within the EU, not yeah. just Germany, within yeah. the EU, you know, 400 and 450 plus billion per year. Yeah. If, if these companies cannot assume the liability, there's no hope that a company like even Qualcomm, NVIDIA, certainly not Aurora or so these other these other companies. So it, either we're going to either we're going yes. So either we're going to have companies that will take this responsibility because they've got the revenue base to do that, or and it, and it doesn't have to be the car companies. It's certainly not going to be insurance companies. That's not their business. No, no, no. Someone they, is going to insurance yeah, companies some, have to make money. I mean, they someone. They, they're yeah. Not so do car companies. But yeah. it's either either it's going to be the companies that have the the base that that can that can be able to absorb this, or we're not going to have driverless cars because nobody can pay for them. Nobody can pay the, the, the liability. So it's one or the other. Unless it's society. And, and, you know, we may end up there because, in fact, this liability issue may mean, look at Amtrak. When, the, when Amtrak was founded and created as was quasi-public, whatever the heck it is, yeah. you know, there was a liability limit placed on what a, a, a plaintiff can can. Re- can can be compensated in case 
Amtrak was going around a corner uh, too fast in Philadelphia, 100 miles an hour, and who knows how many people got killed when they jumped the tracks. Liability sure. limits were put in to that, yeah. you know, said, boom, it's limited. And, and, and we haven't even begun to have this discussion. And of course, the people that have been developing this stuff, the ones that have come out of the, the Stanford's and the Princeton's and the whatever's, the, the, the startups, my goodness, uh, they probably are so darn irresponsible that they're, they're only in the flip business. They're only going to carry this part of the way. They're not going to carry it to all the way to actually do this where the liability would have to actually be assumed. They're going to flip it before that, go on and do another one and flip it before that and go on and do another. So they haven't even gotten to the point where they've even thought about this. And that's why, you know, we've had the evolution that we've had so far, whether we get to the whole thing. I mean, look at what happened to Uber, who was going to do this. They had one crash, they killed one person, they lost 60 billion in valuation, and then they sold their whole operation for peanuts. They got out. Sure. Okay. They couldn't handle it. Where in fact, it is a fundamental need of their business model because the only way they can scale, they can't scale with gig workers. They, the, they, the business doesn't scale with gig workers. Okay, and without scale, Uber's worth what two cents? I don't know. I mean, let Wall Street determine that, not me. Yeah. Yes. Well, they, they've. I mean, the fact is that Uber that Uber probably is less in the taxi business today yeah. than it was, you know, two or three years ago, and that you know, it's it's in the it's in another it's it's in many businesses, but it's not in the taxi business as it was. And, it, and it, 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 it had to yeah. pivot out of it because sure. that business was not what they were selling to the investment community at the time was going to be the big thing that would scale. They said, oh, no, we're going to we're going to deliver takeout. OK, great. Yeah. Be a delivery takeout. Thank you for all the things you're doing for me. I, I'm, what the, I mean, never mind. Yep. More more on that uh, aspect in just a minute. Uh, we'll be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for a white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there that can help you make informed decisions about investing. You may know that ETFs can be a good way to spread risk and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Michael Senna. Great discussion. Back to the electric vehicle and, and all the electric vehicle initiatives. And you have, mm -hmm. you have so many good things in, in, in yours. I mean, not to sort of jump the gun on it. To, to me, the, 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 the entity that had that that hasn't been discussed well enough in all this is the entity that produces the, the electrons that are eventually going to get into our vehicles, into our homes, into our aluminum factories, into all into our light bulbs, into our whatever. And, and the role that they're going to play, you know, 10 to 15 years from now, if now we've had to replace nuclear, we've had to replace coal, and we've had to replace petroleum. 
And and what are those utility? That's a utility in most countries, Europe, United States, everywhere. It's a utility that has an enormous amount of regulatory oversight in pricing and 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 all sorts of things. But now they be as I like to put it, they become the Saudi Arabia of. The, the source of the, of the energy that we all need and want to consume, how are they going to behave being, being so much in control of, of the supply given an extraordinary demand? I mean, doesn't this mean rationing? I mean, isn't it, doesn't, doesn't this look like butter in World War II or something like that? I mean, there is such a demand for it and there's no production. There's limited production of it, irrespective that, oh my goodness, how, how do we deal with that? What are your thoughts on that? We're, we're already there. And, I, and what, I've, what I've been trying to do for at least the last year is, is to include something of this in, in every one of the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when I when I do something that Fred Dreyer likes, then he sends me a note, and I then I feel real good because you know if Fred likes it, then I'm then I'm I'm happy. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know who Fred Dreyer is, Fred Dreyer is, is knows about energy, and he knows about how production of energy is, is created, and he's a he's a um, former uh, Princeton professor, and he's currently in, in the University of South Carolina, but he's, he's a he's we're really graduate awesome. students together at Princeton, gra- yeah, squashed yeah. together, and we've known yeah. each other for way too many years yeah. and whatever, so, and enjoyed yeah. each so, other. So what I've tried to do is to, is to put this in there, and, and we're, we're here, we're already there. I mean, if in, in the article at, on, on, um, on Germany, if you look at the, what, what's happened during the last couple of years, you know they're trying to close down their coal, but what? But you know, the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. You need to generate electricity. In in Sweden, where we have had sustainable, I'll call it sustainable. I'm I'm not a big fan of of uh, hydroelectric because of what it does to to fish. But we have we have burned no coal. We don't have we have a one petroleum backup. Um, but hydroelectric and, and nuclear energy have been the, the, the standards here. We've been trying to move, Sweden has been trying to move to wind and to solar. Um, but, is there a sun in Sweden? I didn't think the sun reached up that high. No, well, no. guess what? You know, this, this, is, this is part of the problem. We have, we have energy costs for people who are living in the southern part and a third, the third the, the lower third of the country is more than two thirds of the, of the population. Uh, Sweden is a very, it's a very big country. I mean, it's, it's larger in, in area than Germany. Um, it's after Spain and uh, France and Spain in terms of area. People in the North are, are paying 10% of the cost of, of electricity versus people in the South. And the reason for that is that we've got hydroelectric operational in the north we don't have nuclear we're closing down that the government is, of sweden is doing exactly the same thing dumb thing as as germany closing down nuclear 
before we have the, the alternatives in place to be able to support it. So what's happened is we've already decommissioned nuclear power, which takes them out of the picture, and we don't have enough energy that's being generated by wind or by, by solar. Um, and now there's, a, now there's the, the danger, and I think a, a, a positive thing is that we were looking at hydroelectric because it's doing bad things to the, to the environment, but we still don't, we should be producing more electricity using nuclear power, not closing down nuclear power before we have the possibilities. And so we already have this situation and the, the, the cost of electricity is skyrocketed at the same time as people are putting money into, the government is putting money into, into subsidizing people to buy electric cars, the, the cost of, of fueling those cars with electricity is just going through the roof. And this is, this is not just in, in Sweden, this is occurring everywhere and it's now. We've got to get, you know, people have got to get a, get a grip on this. And, and, you know, you call up your buddy, Joe Biden, and tell him, look, <laughs> but, look at what's going you know, on in Sweden. I, Sweden. I, I, was, I, I, I was at the uh, Florida AV conference uh, mm -hmm. the past couple of days, which was half AV, half EVs. And sort of the perception and a lot of promotion for EVs and so on. And of course, the perception, it seems to me, and it just may be the, my mind's interpretation of what comes in here to my head, but is that electricity is free. Yeah. It's, it's, it's free. And I keep thinking back of my mother, you know, telling me to turn turn out the lights. Turn we never lights had, you know, a radiant heater. <laughs> we couldn't afford it because, you know, put on another sweater. All right. You know, and of course, you know, a very small T black and white TV. Why? And you had to turn it off and make sure it doesn't like instant on because it would have to, you know, continue to use. A, I mean, electricity, at least in my lifetime, which is too damn long or whatever, and goes back way far, was really expensive. Yes. OK. The perception now is, is that suckers free, it seems. And it seems to me that if I look at, at the burden on those that, that are produced, that are actually created, getting it to where I might use it, are, are, are sitting there and, and they're going to be controlling the rationing for which if I think of the Enrons of this world, man, they're all out of the financial engineering part of, the, of, of operations research and financial yep. engineering. They know they, they're, they're going to make money off this. When you have you know, supply demand and you know, it's all about money. And what the hell is the pricing going to look like if it's if it's as bad as it is already in Sweden? What the heck does the pricing look like for this for these electrons? And am I going to really be able to put myself off the grid? I mean, how many acres of whatever am I going to need? Where to do what the whatever? So that so that the Enrons of that world aren't like. I, I, you talk about something I'm scared about. Holy yeah. macro man, who? Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if and if you want a comparison of something that's that's pre this era, just look at what's going on with with gas coming from Russia into Germany. This this is this is another energy source. Look at the geopolitical situation that's being that was created with with this. Oh, 
Germany and Angela Merkel, it's by the way, it's coming into her her jurisdiction. It's it's the the the, the, the gas the gas line is ending that's where her jurisdiction. Is. Yeah, that's boy, that's 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 something neat. And remember who the who's on the board of Gazprom. Um, the same thing is going to happen. These, these this is going to be a, a a major a major issue. The other thing is that where where are all the solar panels being made? All those solar panels are coming from someplace. Guess where? We know where it is. They're all we coming from China. Is. You know, yes. they used to come from Germany. Yeah. And then suddenly China's in the solar panel business and they've just completely taken over the market. Mm-hmm. Wind turbines, same same sort of stuff that's going on with with uh, with with wind turbines. So your your analogy that you know that this is going to be the next OPEC. It's I, the next OPEC. I totally agree. It's the totally next agree. OPEC, and and yeah. my goodness, the amount of power, the amount of, const- of 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 influence they're going to have over this. You just look at the way they do pricing now with what they do. You know, they have all this variable pricing and low and balance demand. They yep. tell you to do that, and they have all their algorithms and do 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 da 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 da. And guess what? I mean, in the end, I mean, they are reaching into my pocket like there's no tomorrow. Exactly. Where the and they put on the 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 feeling that this is like oh it's wind and it's sun and it's free and it's a bill exactly. and mm-hmm. it's whatever and you know and, and I'm gonna and, I'm gonna leave you I'm gonna know, leave you with one thought because I'm I know, I've got a, I've got another yes. another meeting that I've got to get to but I'm gonna yes. leave you with one thought. Yeah. In the next issue of the Dispatcher, I'm going to discuss something that sounds really crazy <laughs> more crazy um, what we've been doing more crazy than a lot of other things that i've <laughs> been discussing and i'm looking out the window right now and and i've got an i've got a, a number of oak trees out there those oak trees live on co2 why can't we why can't we fuel our cars by simply taking the CO2 out of the air and not using not using it like I mean the problem we have with hydrogen and other other fuels is we have to turn it into something and in order to turn it into something we have to use electricity so we're why not just use electricity this is the this is the Elon Musk idea he disses hydrogen because you have to make you have to use electricity to make hydrogen why don't you just use the electricity to power the car yeah, yeah, so, you know yeah. that's that's very simple hydrogen yeah go ahead yeah so the crazy idea you're gonna to have to wait i haven't i haven't i've only gotten the start of this is why is don't fred, we why don't we on this yeah i know i'm gonna get fred in he's not in there yet the oh, idea man. is the, the idea crazies is, are gonna be out the idea is going to be not to go through this the, the generation of electricity but to go right to the sugar from co2 to sugar burn the sugar and then you know we're we're good to go so that's there's so many the point is that there are so many alternatives that people should be working on there's so many different ways of approaching this it's not just simply a matter of saying battery electric vehicles are the solution let's go out there and 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 get all these electric cars out and then well how are we going to generate the electricity just as you said how are we going to pay for all the electricity what happens if climate change is really the problem what happens if the sun stops shining what happens if the wind stops blowing or if it only blows half of the year 
you know, we, batteries, but 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 where does the cobalt come from? But whatever, we don't. Want and where the where does the cobalt and the, yeah, and the I mean, we don't want yeah, all of that Michael, stuff. We don't want to go there. Uh, uh, way way back, I decided I was going to make candy out of sugar in my mother's kitchen. Okay. Uh -huh. And I made such a mess trying to burn sugar. That, holy hell, I don't know. She spanked me. Oh, my goodness. It goodness. was like terrible. Yeah. I mean, wait, wait a minute. Thinking, that's oh, abuse. What, what kind of mess are we going to create with sugar and go directly to the sugar, Michael? Oh, I'll talk to Fred. Anyway, this yep. has been so much fun. Uh, but seriously, um, um, people uh, uh, read, read the dispatcher. I mean, it, it and we've got a great tease for the for a month from now when when Michael's back. Uh, no, read this one. I, well, what I mean is he, he's, teased, the, he's teased what's to come. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Okay. Okay. Mike. Yeah. Thank, thank you again, Michael, for taking the sign time off. with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Very enjoyable. My readers enjoy this <laughs> well, good we enjoy it so i'm glad the readers enjoy it too i mean look I, these are these are very serious issues okay and, and they still require a heck of a lot of thought and it's it's not easy it is not easy okay if it was we wouldn't be we wouldn't be having so much fun with it right exactly the website is michaellsena.com Thank you also to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. You can get more info at MOTOETF.com. We're at SmartDrivingCar.com. You can find us on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn to for podcasts. And our, your smart speaker can play us too. You can find my tech reports at Textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please stay safe. And have a great December, everybody. We're into yeah. December. This is about to be over, I hope. Uh, never mind. <laughs>